0: What are you talking about?
1: You know I'm talking about some visual art this time. And when we say visual art, we mean like paintings and sculptures. Visual art it, to us is like different. Visual art for the sake of this podcast and for the sake of distinguishing is like paintings and sculpture. <laughs> so I'm talking about visual art this time.
0: Give me a hint. I want to guess.
1: It's a bit of it's a bit of art history. It's a it's I want to say that it is an important part of art history, but it's kind of not.
0: It's, it's like ki- okay
1: it's kind of niche okay it's i feel fi- i think i might have told you about it before but not to the length that i'm going to
0: it's important but it's not
1: it's i am focusing on a small part of a big part of the art world
0: post-impressionism no dadaism
1: no as much as i love talking about Dadaism, are you
0: talking about an era or a piece an era a whole era?
1: Yes. I'm talking about Taylor Swift Eras Tour. No. Are you really? No. Oh. Uh, I sh- I should though.
0: That's visual. We're art. seeing
1: that. We're seeing the movie in October because I I I didn't get to see the concert but you did.
0: Yeah, I did. It was really It was really good. <laughs> okay, I'll let you guess mine. I know yours. What is it?
1: The Emoji movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's it's a but it's a book adaptation.
1: Right. To a movie. Is it's an old film.
0: It's an old film. Okay. It's from nineteen twenty-four. Wow. Any guesses?
1: The emoji movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like a silent, like black and white.
1: It's like black and white the emoji movie, and it's like And then the title card <laughs> comes up that says like I am a meh emoji. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nope. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, welcome to Gallery.
1: <sighs> okay, um, we had a great first episode, I think.
0: Yeah, I think so, too.
1: And it was a lot of fun, and we're back. We're back for another round.
0: You thought we wouldn't.
1: We, you thought we wouldn't. But no, here's, here's two. There's two of them. And I'm staying hydrated this time.
0: And I'm staying hydrated this time, except in except a weird way because lost... McKay lost the top of my Stanley mug, and so now it is simply a mug and not a cup with a lid. What am I saying?
1: <laughs> now her Stanley is a gaping oil drum of a hole because oh, oh you've seen those TikToks where it's like it's like girls with their Stanley and
0: they're carrying something like huge. Yeah, sugar. they're
1: carrying like oh, an office water jug. <laughs> <Yeah. sugar.
0: laughs> I have to like cradle mine like a baby because. It's like huge.
1: Yeah. Okay. So i I went to fill up. I went to fill up our. I thought I saw it, but it was a Reese's Pieces wrapper. Oh. <laughs> I th- I went to fill up our waters before the podcast because we want to stay hydrated. And I unscrewed yours, and it's gone now.
0: And he was like, he's like scouring.
1: I literally looked at our entire apartment. I.
0: Alright. What do you stop? Stop. It's gone. It's okay. I'll All just. Right. I'll just drink I don't even need a straw now, I can just sip it from
1: Do it. the rim. Do that.
0: Huh. It takes a long time for the water to get to, <laughs> the water to get to my lips because it's so big. Yeah.
1: I'm really hydrated.
0: Okay. <laughs> Do you want to go first or me?
1: I think you should go first. Okay. I like when you go first. I'll
0: go first. Okay. I'll start it out with a question. What is the longest movie you've ever seen?
1: Probably Oppenheimer. Wait.
0: Have you ever seen like a Bollywood movie?
1: No. Isn't RRR? You heard about RRR. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Isn't that like four hours or something?
0: I don't know. Well, I mean, Bollywood movies are long, but this is not a Bollywood. Okay. It's American. American! Okay. The longest movie you've ever seen is Oppenheimer?
1: What's the wait? What's Oppenheimer's runtime and what's Avengers Endgame's <laughs> runtime? Because I didn't see Avatar: Way of Water. I don't care about those freaking blue people.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay. It. I'll just. I'll just go because I know you don't know it. It is a movie called Greed. Greed, and it is by director Eric von Stroheim. Cool. And it was made in 1924. And wow.
1: get this. I love when you talk about old film.
0: Get this. Because this is really, it's such a, a such a cool one, and the people that saw like the full version of it say that it is the best movie ever made. And ha- have you heard of it before it?
1: I know you've told me about it. I know oh, you've told yeah. me about it because you would get home from. I think you told me about it when you like got home for one of your film classes. I was like,
0: oh, listen like, listen to this movie. Listen to this <laughs> movie.
1: I and I I think I remember you talking about how there were two versions.
0: There's a couple different cuts, and. So the the original cut, Eric Von Stroheim, he made this Oh, Hi. Hi buddy. Our our dogs here.
1: This is our manager. <laughs> Do you want to hold him up to he the camera? He just woke up. Hey, KK. Hi baby. Everybody meet our doggy. This is our doggy KK. He's named show off his bandana. One of our friends made a bandana for him. <laughs> he's sniffing the mic, he's sniffing the mic, he's looking the mic. Thank you for your what well, you had to add. Thanks, he has manager. a little Animal Crossing bandana. Hey, all dead. KK. And nah, he can stay there, whatever. Yeah. Um he has a little Animal Crossing bandana because he is named after KK Slider from the Animal Crossing series.
0: He's in charge of us.
1: He is in charge of we us. Answered he keeps to him. in line. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one uploading all the socials. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, anyway. KK, listen up.
1: He's just gonna, he's just gonna chill there. Perfect.
0: Yeah. Um. So the original cut of the movie is ten hours long. It is a ten hour ten long. Hours? It's a ten hour long movie, and that's, so you'd have to like sit down. That is
1: three Oppenheimers. <laughs> you'd have to sit that's down like, for all day to that's watch. That's like, it. Uh, like seven hour and a half to movies. Do math, no, I can't what? do math. <laughs>
0: He's like, that's one hundred five minutes Okay, no, I'm bad at Matt. <laughs> that's like
1: four Scott DeWaz videos. <laughs> all right, all right, all right.
0: So the original cut was ten hours long. Uh-huh. And only twelve people ever saw that cut. Why? Because the studio executives were like, That's way too long. Oh. And so we have to cut it down. And so they made him cut it down to
1: Wait, 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 wait. What? May I interrupt you, please? Yeah. Why was it so long? Because Why was it so Okay, long? listen,
0: Eric von Stroheim was kind of a drama queen. Okay. And he, I mean, he loved this book. Like, he really liked it. Is the book called Greed? The book is called McTeague. Okay. And it it was an adaptation from the book McTeague, and he wanted to make a film version of it. Okay. And one reviewer, one negative reviewer, said every comma of the book was put in.
1: Whoa. That's a crazy...
0: Whoa.
1: Our (laughs) dog is... Sit, baby. That's crazy. I know. Every comma. That's a good review.
0: I know, You don't see
1: right? that in Rotten Tomatoes.
0: And so I'm going to, I want you to think about this question. Um, as I talk about the plot, as I talk about what Eric Von Stroheim did is- to make this such an accurate film like, to the book. The question is, is how far should you go for a book adaptation?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Because I was just thinking about like Harry Potter and Lord of the yeah. Rings. And, and people are
0: like, it's not um actually it's the not book true good. The book is never as good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, but maybe it does make sense to cut some things out. Well, yeah. obviously, yeah. but like how much? Okay, keep going. I am very eager to talk about this.
0: Right? So eager the setting is interesting because it's in nineteen twenty four. This is obviously a black and white silent film. Yeah. With title cards interspersing between Love it. explaining everything. Does it
1: have the piano?
0: Yes. It really? Does. Yeah. No way. <laughs> <laughs> of course it does. And it's more than piano, of course. Yeah. There's actual, like, assigned soundtracks to it, kind of thing. I don't uh-huh. know if those are still lost or, or if they're found or whatever. But. Okay. So it was originally 10 hours. They had him cut it down to six hours himself. And he said, I cannot cut another frame. And they made him cut another frame. No way, because so, he was just
1: so passionate about it. And yeah, he was, he's
0: like, this is the story. I can't wow. cut this. This is everything. Like, I've shot this on purpose.
1: That's when amazing. When he finished
0: filming, he had 85 hours of footage to cut through. Oh,
1: man. And, ba- and back then.
0: That's a lot of reels You didn't have Premiere. That's a lot of cranking. You didn't have <laughs>
1: Adobe or uh, you didn't have DaVinci Resolve. You had
0: to cut it all by hand.
1: Oh, man. That sounds awful. And
0: so he cut it down to four hours with his buddy. And then he was like... This is it. I cannot. And the studio took it from him and cut it down to 2.5. Oh, that must have 2. killed 5 him. 2.5 hours. No way. And that's that was the version that they released. Wow. And it flopped. And when he saw really? it. Really? Yeah. When it, when he saw it, he said, I completely disown this movie. It's not mine <gasps> Whoa. anymore.
1: Whoa. Okay. That makes me think of Dune. Yeah? Because the most recent Dune by Dennis Villanueva. Is that how you say his name? I
0: have not. I don't think it is. I know how to spell it. I'm a reader, not a speaker.
1: Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, Dennis, <laughs> I'll call him Dennis. Dennis V. My man, Dennis V. Um, I know that that uh, Dune is pretty dang true to the book.
0: Yeah. And Because we've long. read a little bit of the book. It's long. And we've got a part one and, and a part two coming out.
1: <gasps> I'm so excited for Dune 2. <laughs> Me too. Oh, my gosh.
0: Sandworm. Sandworm. Can I
1: do a little sidebar here? Huh? Can I just say how good 2023 has been for film? Yeah, yeah. and how good 2023 has been for games yeah they've both good good year we've 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 taken it upon ourselves to see more to see more 2023 movie releases and to play more 2023 games and it has been a blast wonderful yeah everything i think everything we've seen well ant-man
0: ant-man has a place We'll we'll get into that in another Ugh, I hate episode. Hate Ant-Man Quantum Media.
1: <laughs> Sidebar over. Back to back to greed. Greed.
0: So those are the cuts. These, this is kind of the the background to it. But first, I want to you to understand the plot. Okay. To this, why there's so much included.
1: So the background is.
0: It's a really long movie. It's
1: long, and the director is insane.
0: The director is a little insane. In a good way. He's a he's a he's a very drama queen esque guy. Like he had this huge reputation for going way over budget and way over schedule for all of his movies. Like, he was even fired for this, for the studio, like, the original studio that From he worked for. MGM? He worked for Universal Film Manufacturing or something like that. Is that the
1: same as Universal today?
0: I don't know.
1: Is that a stupid well, question?
0: Because they, I don't know, because they always change their name. Okay, whatever. Everybody changed change their name all the time. But then he moved to Goldwyn, which turned into MGM.
1: Yes, okay, I'm familiar with that. And so... Because they, they got the lion.
0: <laughs> yes that's what they have so he he they Golden picked him up and when they picked him up because they knew his reputation they were like we need you to sign this contract and the contract was really strict and Dang. really specific it said the maximum length of your film can only be like 8,500 feet they said they gave him a budget they said your budget has to be $175,000 um,
1: $175,000 back then
0: it's a lot of money. That's
1: a ton of money for a movie.
0: You know what? How much he ended up spending on on, on, on greed? From anywhere from five hundred and fifty thousand to six hundred and sixty-five thousand. It was a little over budget.
1: <laughs> Dude's going crazy on the CG. <laughs> he's getting,
0: That's a little crazy.
1: He's going crazy on and the marketing.
0: The, the, so it, it said all films had to be under eight thousand five hundred feet of film. Oh, you know wow. how much he shot? Four hundred and forty-six thousand.
1: So he broke his contract. Yeah. Okay, that's get, what he did. <laughs> tell, me about, tell me about the plot. Okay,
0: the plot. Because I go. feel like I, yeah, we keep getting distracted. You. Okay, so, once upon a time,
1: <laughs> this is good already.
0: There, there's this guy named John Mcteague.
1: Okay. Oh, that's the the title of the book.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Mcteague, and he, there's a dentist in town, and his mom is like, "Please, please, make my son a dentist," and so he becomes the apprentice to this dentist, and so he,
1: yes, that rhymed. Apprentice to the dentist. Apprentice to the dentist.
0: <laughs> we both tried to keep going, but we're bad at rapping. Apprentice to the dentist and and greed is...
1: Apprentice to the dentist is going to fix your teeth. He's amazing and he's great and he loves to eat beef. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Is that true?
0: No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Dentist. Okay. Apprentice. So he's an apprentice and a dentist. Great. And then he grows up to be a dentist. And so there's John McTeague and his best friend is named Marcus. Okay. And his best friend's fiance is named Tina.
1: Marcus's fiance is named Tina? Mm-hmm. Marcus Kay.
0: and Tina, they're engaged. Okay. And Marcus is like, Tina, my girl, would you like your teeth cleaned? That'd be so fun.
1: Okay, keep going. <laughs> and so he-, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he takes him into his buddy, John McTeague's a dentist shop dentist practice and um while they're waiting dentist there, shop <laughs> dentist shop while they're waiting there tina buys a lottery ticket as you do
1: i do that every time i go to the dentist
0: <laughs> she just buys a lottery ticket okay. and, and then when tina sits in the chair john mcteague is working on her teeth and he's like oh my gosh you're the most beautiful woman i've ever seen in my life and he falls in love with her
1: he's like she's sitting there like <laughs> <laughs> like mouth open mouth open
0: chompers out
1: <laughs> and he's like he's like tina how old are you and she's like I, 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 I. like that just <laughs> always do
0: <laughs> we have like conversations with you dude i once had an orthodontist that always talked to me about like dancing with the stars and it was like in depth he's like did you know bill nye is on dancing with the stars and i was like i didn't
1: know that that sounds amazing was? Yeah, Whoa. Was.
0: anyway wait wait no, I'm don't not look, gonna it. look it up <laughs>
1: Anyway, I had a de- every time I went to the dentist, they would be like, "Have you kissed any girls lately?" And I'm like, "No, look at me." <laughs>
0: Good. Anyway. <laughs> so so, you know what Marcus does when he realizes that his best friend is kind of in love with his fiance? No, I don't. What do you think he would do?
1: Uh, kill him. Wait. No, he was oh, like, no. what? <laughs> "I can't say
0: that." <laughs> he said, <laughs> <laughs> he said all right have her
1: what not, not
0: my problem <laughs> and so what? john's like okay and he marries her he marries tina
1: that's how we met no, who were you engaged <laughs> to
0: <laughs> and so so john mcteague is now married to tina and, and marcus, marcus is like wow. kind of fine with that
1: that was fast they got married he's like fast. He's, he
0: said bro code he said you can have the girl if you want her and so they got married and then Right after they get married, Tina's lottery ticket goes through, and she wins five thousand dollars. She like wins the lottery. Oh wow! And five thousand dollars, the purchasing power of five thousand dollars like a
1: million dollars back then. That yeah. was a lot. <laughs>
0: Today it's like one hundred eighty thousand.
1: That's like that's like two months of rent. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, seriously. Five
0: thousand dollars. <laughs>
1: yeah. Keep going.
0: But that's a lot of money, obviously. It is them. a lot of money. And now Marcus is really upset. Not because he lost the girl, but because the money could have been his. Mm. And so he obviously he gets he gets mad.
1: He gets greedy. <laughs> it's the name, the name of the movie. OK, sorry.
0: And so he he's like, hey, that should be my money. And John's like, what? this is my wife. I'm yeah. not going to give it to you. And so Marcus um, kind of sabotages him. And he, also, he he reports him to the police because he doesn't have a license to practice dentistry. Uh- and the so, 20s. <laughs> the 1920s. You could do
1: anything you wanted.
0: <laughs> and so he, he gets his practice shut down because of Marcus. And so they don't have like a job. And so they, you know, John has to start doing hard labor. And his wife is like a janitor at a school. And their life kind of sucks. And slowly they start you know eating through their money and stuff. And mm-hmm. they're living in squalor. But Tina will not touch the $5,000. She will not let them use it. Why? she's greedy in the end she says this is my money we are not using it and the money that they are making from their jobs she takes it she takes parts of it and so she saves up like four hundred dollars or something
1: which is also a lot
0: which is a lot yeah and so john mcteague is really upset by this and he's like he like starts drinking heavily and he like he steals her savings not the five thousand because that's in the bank he steals her savings and, you know, he goes waste it and stuff. And so that makes her really nervous. And so she pulls her 5000 out of the bank. And she starts going a little crazy over it. Like, she spreads it out on her bed and she sleeps on it. Like, all the on all the dollar bills. Like, it's a bed. Kind of a Can I say something move. really quick? Yes.
1: You know that scene in Cyrano where she's got the letters? <laughs> <laughs> she's like...
0: She's like, letters. Oh, letters.
1: Okay, continue, please. I don't want to talk about that stupid movie. The Cyrano. <laughs> Gosh, dang it.
0: And uh, so she's just like hiding all this money and John gets really mad and he's a pretty volatile person. And so naturally he just kills her. Like he just kills his wife. I mean.
1: <laughs> he does?
0: Yeah. He he ends up Wait, taking out you his wife. He said that
1: so nonchalantly. Okay. Naturally. He, oh my gosh. He, why?
0: He gets rid of the wife and because he wants the money.
1: Oh my and gosh. And so now he's
0: on the run. Keep in mind, this is a 10 hour movie. There's a lot that's happening right Jeez. and so now he's on the run and he goes to death valley yeah and he meets a buddy there and they're like we found a quartz vein like let's mine it like because he's got this five thousand out but that's not enough he needs more
1: quartz vein what is this freaking minecraft
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so they you know they start mining this and the police are chasing him and marcus has teamed up with the police to go okay. find john because he still is really mad at john
1: oh this is we got to watch this later it's really cool is it on is this streaming places probably Uh,
0: yeah I don't know I don't know what cut
1: Criterion maybe it's on Criterion yeah maybe I want to watch it it sounds so cool it's really cool. are you
0: okay with it if I spoil it then
1: oh no am I okay if you spoil it yeah go ahead
0: okay I'll spoil it it's a four hour long movie if you want to watch the whole thing so I'm gonna spoil if you're scared of spoils you can leave and then come that was kind of threatening you can get out of my way all right and so he's he's minding his courtstring he gets a bad vibe and he's like i got to go and right. then he you know looks over his shoulder and it's all the police and marcus or whatever and so he rides his horse and his one bottle of water and his 5 grand into the desert into death valley
1: oh. and
0: uh, then the police are like, well, he's done for. And so they stop. But Marcus is like, no, I'm going to be the one to catch him. And so he follows him into Death Valley. Oh. And eventually it ends up that they're way out there. They both start slowing down because of the oppressive heat. And this, this is the ending scene. They slow down and they're kind of like really exhausted and stuff. And they finally meet. They start scuffling, you know, beating each other up. Marcus ends up shooting the horse and it oh. shoots the, the water that they had. And so they have no way to get out, no way to leave. They have no water. And this is crazy, the the ending scene. John McTeague ends up beating, winning the fight, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And Marcus dies. And at the very end, Marcus, his last act was to handcuff himself to John. And so the very last scene of the movie is John is handcuffed to a corpse he can't reach the money, and he has no water, no horse in Death Valley. Like, that's his end.
1: That is amazing. Well, Okay, it's not amazing, <laughs> but what a good ending. Right? Wow. Crazy. Wow, that's very symbolic, too. It's huge. Wow.
0: And so... How
1: he's kind of shackled himself through greed yeah. to his problems and to his and like And
0: what it does to people. Wow. It's crazy. What are
1: the lengths that you'll go mm-hmm. to get what you want?
0: So obviously wow. this is like, oh my
1: gosh,
0: this is a tragedy. And the American. Like, wait, wait,
1: wait. Can I ask a question? Yeah. what happens to Tina. Oh, she died. Yeah, she died. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really, I answered my right question in my head as I said it.
0: Yeah. And so it just ends up really bad for everybody. Wow. But you should know that, that there's one subplot. There's actually two that were I was going to ask
1: if there were any subplots.
0: There's two subplots. Um, They were mainly cut out because of time. If it was the full 10 and hours, mm-hmm. you would have gotten a lot of subplots. But one of the subplots is this cute little old couple that, like, they're super lonely. They live in the same apartment building as John and Tina. Okay, okay. And they never really meet, but they live adjacent to each other. And they always put their ear up against the the wall and listen to each other. And so they're really familiar with each other. And their lives are less lonely because they're familiar with each other, right? Like, they really care about each other, but they've never, like, actually met.
1: The couple and John care about each other?
0: these two old people
1: really care about each other
0: Mm -hmm. and one day they actually meet and it's really sweet and they fall in love and then right before the wedding or after the wedding or something one of the old people reveals that they had $5,000 just in savings and the other person says okay and they're happy
1: Uh-huh. That's crazy.
0: And so it's what could have been, you know, what could have been John and Tina if they weren't what like. Could,
1: if, if like one choice, they could have just chosen not to be greedy. Yeah. Could have chosen each other. Yeah. That's a cool subplot.
0: It is cool. And the other subplot is like a much worse greed tale.
1: Oh, man. That makes me think of like what it, what, what should a good subplot be. And I really like it because it kind of gives a juxtaposition to the main to the main plot Mm -hmm. and when you compare the subplot I think it makes the message of of the original plot so much more significant Mm -hmm. very cool
0: yeah so that's that's the plot of it so now that you know kind of what happened let me tell you the circumstances behind shooting this film okay because it's I mean it's famous it's super important so it was a 10-hour cut obviously it took like it's like 85 hours of footage that they had to go through like, this was a lot. Jeez. And um, something about... To
1: imagine. Oh. I know.
0: Something about Eric von Stroheim is that he was so dedicated to this and so, like, so passionate about the movie that he was making that he he made all of the choices that he needed to make because he believed it was the best he could do, like, for this story. Okay. And so mm. he had... He wanted to
1: do it justice. Yeah. Mm.
0: And so in a, in a place in film history where everybody was kind of on sets... And everything was super manufactured and the lighting was manufactured. He took his little camera, his little portable camera, and he did everything like on the streets, which hasn't wasn't really heard of before. People call this film the first feature film that was shot on scene, like not in a set.
1: He okay, he didn't use a set. He went out. Yeah. Wow.
0: And he actually found the places that the novel talked about and like the actual like inspiration for the author. Yeah. He was super into it and so
1: jeez man dang
0: yeah and even the like the quality of the film is really good because he used all of the techniques that actually made citizen kane famous like lighting yeah chato scudo Scudo, um, lighting where the subject is lit and the background is really dark yeah he has all these really cool angles like if you watch it it's really cool all of his all of his Um, films it's tinted you know how they used to tint old film Mm -hmm. certain colors because it was black and white of course but like the hand painting uh uh-huh oh and so he would like make whole reels different colors like red for angry or yellow for happy you know man but for the gold in the movie early
1: color grading early color grading. Cool.
0: but for the gold in the movie he would paint each individual frame like gold with like gold leaf and he'd like oh he used gold shine i think so really Maybe.
1: I feel like that wouldn't show up on the film.
0: Okay, maybe not. Maybe
1: he used something else. Maybe he did use gold gold leaf.
0: A gold color for the gold leaf. (laughs) Um, actually.
1: That's not an um, actually moment. All right,
0: sorry. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's pretty crazy, but listen. Wow,
1: what a wild movie.
0: Listen to the filming. Okay, I I took some notes here because. Oh, no. There's just so much The tone of your voice
1: is making me. (laughs) You're like. You got to listen to yeah, this. Yes, <laughs> literally.
0: So Eric was so dedicated to this film that he, for two months, he worked 20 hour days in pre-production. Jeez. Every day. So I saw that the first couple, of couple days of filming, filming, he would collapse on set.
1: I'm no geologist, but I'm pretty sure that there's only 24 hours in a day. <laughs> <laughs> so That's, that's not geologist. I'm no zoologist, nope. but All I right. think that he only got four hours of sleep.
0: I guess. I, I don't know if that's true, but
1: I'm no gastroenterologist but I know that you don't fall asleep immediately like that. <laughs> so he probably got off set. he went to his house, he made a little dinner. He's probably pushing two and a half hours of sleep. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it literally like made him pass out on set the first yeah, couple days. That's
1: freaking crazy. What's wrong with him? And I'm not this passionate about anything.
0: It took him it took him one hundred and oh yeah. Metroid McKay. And it took him 198 days to shoot it. And for reference, most like medium films take like three to six weeks to shoot. is like was, half like, a year. Yeah. This is like six months. And there was a scene where a knife gets thrown at an actor's head at John's head. And Van Struheim really wanted a knife thrower to do it. Like he wanted an actual knife thrown at this guy's head. And the studio was like, oh, uh, no.
1: This guy's insane. <laughs>
0: And then this, this is so interesting to me. They, you know, they were doing it on, on scene on the place that they were shooting about. And so he literally took all of his actors, his crew of 42 people to Death Valley to shoot. And the place where they were shooting was 100 miles away this and so they had they had no roads hotels gas stations running water
1: and it's the 20s didn't have like a switch or anything like to keep they, them it was, <laughs> occupied it was,
0: a, it was a place filled with tralantulas scorpions venomous snakes this guy is insane
1: this guy <laughs> is insane but it, what i'll talk about it later because i just have so you've got me mm-hmm. thinking about so many things mm-hmm. oh my gosh
0: um they shot for two months in the middle of summer And crew members, this is funny to me, the highest temps that summer, we know, like today, were like uh, around 123 degrees Fahrenheit, which is really hot. But crew members reported up to 161
1: degrees. (laughs) This guy is a serial killer. What? He loves, oh my gosh.
0: And every day crew members would collapse from heat exhaustion, um... I said 42, there were 43 crew members and 14 of them were so sick that they had to go home to LA.
1: So yeah. he like wiped
0: out like a third of his crew.
1: This is why we have <clears> donuts <throat> on film sets now. And this is why we do it.
0: We have like guilds and like yeah. actors yeah. rights.
1: Yeah. yeah, well.
0: Well, kind of. We don't have
1: a lot of actors rights and writers rights right now. Yeah. I, we support the strike.
0: But listen, this Gene um, Hersholt who's one of the main guys, I think he played um, Marcus, was he spent a week in the hospital after shooting with internal bleeding. He lost 27 pounds and was covered in blisters. And you know what he had to say about it? It was the best role of his career.
1: Wow. this is That makes me think of like something I was thinking about is like this guy is insane. But it also makes me think, dang, this must result in the in most insane movie ever. Literally. Because sometimes Crunch Crunch is a big thing in the game industry. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talk about crunch. Cyberpunk 2077 is a big example where developers are just working around the clock to meet a deadline, not to make a good game. And the game comes out and it's terrible. But Mm -hmm. this makes me think of like, I guess they didn't really have a deadline they were working towards and he was just making it. (laughs) He turns up the intensity, turns down the limits. What kind of film do you get from that? Yeah. An amazing one, I guess, because everybody's saying that it's the best film ever.
0: Well, actually, oh, the reception was really poor. It flopped.
1: Which version? The the whole ten-hour version. The two and a half hour long version. It flopped. Really? I'll get to that. Wait. Okay. I'm I'm not done with the
0: tragedies of Death Valley. Sorry. (laughs) Um, this is my favorite part. There was a point where Eric Von Stroheim, in the middle of the desert, um, John McTeague and Marcus were doing their final fight scene, and eric von stroheim was reported to be yelling fight 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 and then he said fight like you hate each other as much as you hate me <laughs> so
1: that, that is may- the motivation there you go
0: he he would even bring musicians onto set in death valley to play like sad violin and sad like harmonica and it's it's a silent film like they can't record that but it's just for the actors to really wow. get in the moment yeah he like went to lengths and then he did at the end, he had a whole mine renovated for this, and they like renovated a mine so he my could go gosh. in and shoot there. That's
1: why he's going over budget. Because <laughs> he's oh my gosh, and this guy's amazing. It, he
0: would shoot between nine p.m. and six a.m., even though it was in a mine and it was dark. And he insisted on descending three thousand feet into the mine to shoot. This
1: guy is crazy. <laughs> he's having <laughs> knives thrown. There's people overheating, and now he wants to go into a cave spelunking. <laughs> This guy is crazy. And
0: it would have looked the exact same at a hundred feet down. But, but he needed he ha- to go three thousand feet down. Oh, dude.
1: <laughs> so they say in film that like if you want something to really look a certain way, then do it the actual way. Like if you want a VHS effect, then like run it through a VHS <laughs> machine or something to get that real look. Don't 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 go this far. <laughs> but maybe you should. Maybe it'd make a good movie.
0: Literally, and so Those were the conditions, and this is kind of what all of his actors and him went through. Like, there's months of just, like, him acting like this and being so dramatic and being so dedicated to his work. Wow. And so he started editing it down, you know. I told you that he edited it from 10 all the way to 6 with a buddy, and then they took it down, or all the way to 4, and then they took it down to 2.5, the studio. Yeah. And he said... Oh, my gosh. when, When he was editing, here's a quote. He said, I could take out sequences and thus get the job over in a day. That would be child's play. But I can't do it. It would leave gaps that could only be bridged through titles. When you do such a thing, you have illustrated subtitles instead of a motion picture. And and. Jeez,
1: dude, this guy is so bold.
0: Right? And it was known about the guy who ended up taking his four-hour cut. The studio gave it to this guy who was known to, like, add in titles. And a lot of people make fun of it. Oh, to, like,
1: bridge the... Plot? Yeah to yes. brig- dang, Bridget. that's crazy.
0: and he was like the title guy and everybody like makes fun of it to this day because it's like and thus was John like and it mm. takes like a whole hour of footage out you know dang it's crazy so with all of this the very end statistics are like I said he his budget was 175,000 he went all the way up to maybe 665,000 dollars He shot 446,000 feet of film, and on its initial run in the US, Canada, and other markets, it made $274,000, which is way... They lost a ton of money? They lost a ton of money on this. (sighs) And then, in like the 50s, because it was such a flop, everybody was like, what is it? Like, what...
1: (laughs) Because there's just so much missing and... It
0: was pieces of
1: film, wow. you know? Oh my gosh, there's so much Eric, thoughts in my head.
0: Dude, Eric said... When he saw the 2.5 cut, he said... It's like opening a coffin in which there was just dust, giving off a terrible stench and a couple of vertebrae and a piece of shoulder bone. It was as if a... So specific. No, what? literally. <laughs> He's a drama queen. Yeah. He said... If it was it was as if a man's beloved was run over by a truck, maimed beyond recognition, he goes to see her in the morgue. Oh my gosh. And of gosh. course, he still loves her, but it's the only the only the memory of her that he can love because he doesn't recognize her anymore.
1: This guy is insane. That's what he said about oh my his gosh. Movie.
0: So, that is the greatest book to film adaptation of all time. And people wow. still say that it's like sight and sound when they first started making their lists. Um, it was on the top 10 Films of all time, a couple years in a row, by them and everybody. Like to this day, people say that that ten cut must have been like the greatest film of all time. That's why it's the holy grail. We don't
1: have the ten hour cut anymore. It was lost. <laughs> it's Dang, lost, dude.
0: So only twelve people ever saw that ten hour cut. Dang, dude. And in in 1999, the Turner Turner Entertainment got together and they took like six hundred stills mm. from production, like production stills, like background stuff, and they. Took his script and they kind of pieced together a four hour version from the huh. 2.5 hour version. And that's the version I watched. Oh, interesting. Four
1: hours. And was it good? It was great. <sighs> wow. It was amazing. Dang, dude. Yeah. That's so, Greed?
0: Yeah, that's Greed.
1: Wow. Is that crazy? That is crazy and beautifully said. Thanks. And what, dude, I was thinking about the plot and I was thinking about how intricate that was and all the different themes there. And now I'm just thinking about the filming conditions. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost as if, what's the homie's name, Eric?
0: Van Stroheim.
1: Van Stroheim. It's almost as if Van Stroheim was a little greedy himself. Oh. It's almost as if he was just greedy to have his perfect movie his way. Hmm. Not willing to budge. Not, he, he was stubborn. Same way the characters, they wanted what they wanted and that caused a lot of problems. Yeah. Now, I mean, the difference between the movie and how it was filmed was how it was filmed end up ended up with like a good movie in the end, but like with the actual movie itself, it, it's a bad it's a sad ending. Yeah. Not a happy one. And so I just kind of drew that conclusion. I don't really have anything else to say about the, about that little observation, but the the lengths people go to create Yeah, and is it worth it in the end? Yeah, to have a little. I mean, now. I mean, is it worth it to put so much work in a hour and a half, MP4 file, really? (laughs) And.
0: uh, Well, because
1: is it? I I guess it depends. You know,
0: there's all the people that say that see adaptations like things like. Oh
1: yeah, because we got to bring it back to that question too. Keep going. Sorry.
0: There's a lot of people that see these adaptations, like Percy Jackson, of course. Or Harry Potter or, you know, Lord of the Rings and stuff like <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> and people will always say, oh, they missed the Peeves plot line. Like <laughs> there's like so many subplots and things are Man, taken out and stuff.
1: Peeves is in Hogwarts Legacy and he 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 tells on you yeah. on that one quest. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
0: I just thought of something. What? Do you think this would have been different if TV had been invented?
1: And he could tell like a series, yeah, probably.
0: Because everybody's I'm like, not familiar Ugh, with early TV. Ten though. hour movie, but if it was oh one hour, ten episodes. That makes me
1: think of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, and how perfect that plot is for a series because they had the whole that this big plot they had a series planned out, and it also makes me think of Raya and the Last Dragon, mm. where they have an avatar-sized world and an avatar-sized plot. And a big message they're trying to push, they squeeze it down to an hour and a half and it doesn't work. Yeah. And so I think that it probably would have because you're wanting to see what Tina's doing in the next... Oh, oh man. It probably would have been a better TV show. Yeah. That's such a good thought. What were you saying before, before I interrupted you with Hogwarts Legacy? Something about... the adaptations. Adaptations, Mm -hmm. getting rid of the Peeves Uh storyline with the...
0: Yeah, so I'm going to say... Everybody will always be mad that something was taken out or that it wasn't translated from book to movie. Yeah. But I don't know. The way that I've thought about it in the past is that these are different mediums and they cannot mm. be compared almost. Oh. It might be the same world and stuff, but the way of storytelling is so fundamentally different that yeah. I don't think that you can achieve in any way the same feeling or or world that you can in literature as yeah. compared to film.
1: I think it's futile to be like why don't we still have paper books or like (laughs) why not just watch the movie version of the book because books are a different experience yeah that's why I like reading that's why you really like reading is because it's a different experience to kind of be lost in your head about this world rather than have it shown to you and so I like that point that you bring up of of different mediums
0: but at the same time it's refreshing to me to see a creator who wants to pick up every single thing that the author originally intended to be a part of the world. Mm. And so I know that a lot of people were frustrated by the Lord of the Rings reboot or whatever that was. The Re- TV series. Rings of Power. Rings of Power. I never saw never it Never saw it. But I had a lot of friends who were so dedicated to the world and the series. They knew all the lore and stuff. And when it doesn't match up, they're mm-hmm. like really upset because it seems like the creator doesn't care enough about the world. Mm-hmm. Which, obviously, Eric von Stroheim cared. Yeah. And is that a, a fault or a good thing?
1: Mm. Yeah. I think whether or not it's a good or bad thing depends on, on the medium. He cares a lot. And a 10-hour movie, it just t- is too much.
0: I think it was perfect.
1: You think it was perfect? But would have been better at a... As a as a TV show, because I feel like it would be at that length,
0: but that wasn't an option for him.
1: That's true. What what comes to mind for me is and when we're talking about adaptations is The Last of Us, mm-hmm. which I think is a, and and even I'm gonna I want to talk about two adaptations: The Last of Us and the Super Mario Brothers movie. Both great adaptations, in different ways. Yeah, um, because the Mario movie, say what you will about like it technically i think it's great um and and what it needs to be but i'm talking about like they took a world that doesn't really have a plot and they just they they did deep cuts they got deep into the the mario world there's tons of little references references in there and that's what makes it really good Mm -hmm. and so and that's what makes it a good adaptation is because they they stuck with it and they they translated it to a the medium in a good way you know they say what's the point of the mario games and that's to have fun no one cares about mario storylines same thing with the movie don't who cares about the storyline in the movie is for fun and i think in that respect they succeeded now with the last of us what made the original game really good the suspense the story from from the gameplay Um, And I think they translated that to the TV show really well. They said, you know, so much combat, so many people and things dying all the time is going to get really boring on the, on the, um, on the screen. And that suspense that comes from those areas won't work in a non-controllable environment. Mm -hmm. So they took out a lot of, so a lot of the combat is not in The Last of Us TV show. And... They 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 got the same effect because the game and the TV show feel the same. They got the same effect by changing things for the medium. Mm-hmm. The game achieves the suspense and drama and story how it should in the game with the limitations that it gives you. And, you know, the choice to, oh, do I engage the zombie or do I sneak around it? And the movie, the movie, the TV show does the same thing where... It has the suspense, it has the story, it has the drama. Not from killing zombies, not from combat, but from story and characters. And and they tell the same thing different ways. And I think what I'm trying to say, because I, I feel like I'm not no, going anywhere. No, it's making sense. I feel like mediums have different strengths and you have to play to those strengths. If they had zombie sections over and over in The Last of Us, it wouldn't have been good. Mm-hmm. It would have gotten boring, it would have gotten stale. And it's disappointing to not see so many infected in the TV show because the infected in the last of us are so iconic, but I think it's still a better adaptation. So with, with greed, you know, maybe there's some things that didn't need to be adapted. I mean, what's your thoughts about greed based on what I just said about mediums having different strengths?
0: That's re- That was really well said, McKay. Thank you. I think you. That, was, that was perfect. And I think I totally agree. Just what you're saying is that even if it's not totally accurate to the original source material, it still might be better if they changed things based on the medium.
1: Not necessarily better, but still successful. Equivalent. E- equivalent.
0: Uh, I'm actually. <laughs> <laughs> equivalent, okay. equivalent. Oh, good. Okay. So with greed, maybe... Maybe if he hadn't have gone so far as to put his actors in hospitals, <laughs> then it would have been more successful and the studio would have seen it for what it was. Mm. That's a lot. That's a great, great thing to think about. Yeah. Because I'm thinking like, would was the studio more interested in runtime? And they said, no, only yeah. things under three hours will be ac- acceptable to audiences. Yeah. You can't have a two-day showing Mm -hmm. with, you know, an intermission and stuff. Yeah. And so I wonder if, like, that was the main thing. And even if they saw the quality of the story for what it was at 10 hours, they were like, it doesn't matter. Audiences won't be interested in that.
1: Because a book is different. Yeah. A book you can put down, but a movie you got to stay. Or you got to stay and you... You got to come two nights in a row. (laughs) And that's, that's the thing about adaptations is with Harry Potter, I mean... How do you condense the Deathly Hallows? Or, I mean, that's two parts. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you condense it down to two hours? How do you make it a sit a sit through experience? And I think as we get, I mean, the world, I mean, everything is an adaptation nowadays, yeah. and you gotta make sure that you're respecting the medium.
0: <laughs> well, well said.
1: Thank you. I thought everything you said was well said. Thank you. What a perfect. <laughs> Introduction to that movie. I want to see it now. It's cool. We gotta watch it. We we'll um, put it on the you watch can, list
0: for audience members. Try to see look, where it's streaming. You can look it up on YouTube. I think like a two-hour version is on YouTube. Um, and you can also look up clips. Like just type in "Greed 1924 ending scene," and you'll see what I'm saying.
1: I'm looking up where it's streaming. Oh, great. This is a R-rated comedy satire from 2019. I don't think it's the same one.
0: Seems like that's different. <laughs> But that's why it was called The Holy Grail in the end. Because it's this movie that apparently was the greatest ever and we'll never see it.
1: Mm. I can't find it.
0: Well, you can look up clips on YouTube. We'll stop it at that.
1: Cool. Okay. Wow. That was beautiful. I love you.
0: Old movies are the best. Old
1: movies are awesome, man. Give me what you got. I'll give you what I got. Well, so, Amaze me. I'm going to talk about art history. Uh-huh. And a specific part of art history that I think is just kind of hilarious and raises a lot of questions about today. So what you need to understand about like art history pre-impressionism was that like... Religious. Like, m- majority. It was, well, yeah, it was religious, but like really the only thing... Okay, I should start by saying this. Art for as long as, for until impressionists showed up, art was, had a purpose. I don't want to say functional because not all of it was functional but it had a purpose it it's you know for the greeks you know it was to honor the gods and to um for the for the for the paleolithic people we don't know what their purpose was but maybe it was to maybe it was to decorate but we also think that because of the size of of the art that they made it was portable because the paleolithic people were nomads so we think oh well they probably made this to help them remember a deity or you know record things so art for throughout history had purpose it was to honor deities and it was to record it was to you know whatever i'm not saying that there wasn't any just art for art's sake back then but it's few and far between and we have a lot more now mm-hmm. we have a lot more art that hangs in our house we have a lot we have a lot less art that is like For funerary purposes, you know, because that was the main thing. So that is really cool to me because it means that like art was everything to ancient people, especially the Egyptians. And I want to talk about the Egyptians because the Egyptians and Egyptian art is amazing. You know that meme that's like. The, Egypt, the ancient Egyptians believed that the most important <laughs> thing you could do in your life was die. That was true. The may, So Egypt, Egyptian art was an art of permanence. They really believed in the afterlife really heavily. Mm-hmm. And this mostly applied to royalty and the higher ups. But if your art was good, then you were having a good afterlife. If you had vases and beautiful art buried with you, then you're set. I'm having set- a good afterlife. You're having a good afterlife? Why?
0: Cuz I have all your art hanging in our house.
1: Anyway, so that was the main that was the biggest thing with Egyptian art is it was it was to well first it was to honor the the royalty and I'll talk about Egyptian royalty in a second. But art was the afterlife was important, and art was a way to celebrate the afterlife, to prepare for it, um, to immortalize um, their royalty, because the royalty was really important to them. They have they have a host of gods. This is really important. The, the Egyptians were polytheistic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've seen the guy with the hawk Rah. head and
0: the sun god. Yeah, sorry.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, they have all these gods that they they worship. They have, you know, gods of the river and of the wind and of the sun. And I've
0: seen Prince of Egypt.
1: You have seen Prince of Egypt, which, by the way,
0: really is good. Really good. We yeah. love
1: Prince of Egypt. So good. It's like my sixth favorite movie, I think. Well, no, it's not that high, but it's, <laughs> but it's still really good. But, I mean, you see, I mean, okay, let's talk about Prince of Egypt. You know that shot where Ramses?
0: Oh, and the big, and the big head. Yeah,
1: great example.
0: Because that's what they were doing.
1: That's what they were doing. That's they had these big statues to What's immortalize, that called? The, like
0: the big lion, uh, a sphinx, the sphinx.
1: I almost said shinx. Shinx is a Pokemon.
0: <laughs> shinx is a Pokemon. M, um, actually.
1: But yeah, sphinxes to you know, and another thing the art did how they immortalized their pharaohs was they put pharaohs. Pharaohs were basically gods if you were worshiping the pharaohs, you were worshiping gods. So pharaohs were super important and that's Egyptian art. Art to them was everything. It was their religion. It was their leadership. It was their afterlife. And it is just, its it just stirs me to like think about them, them treating art so seriously in this way. Can you
0: imagine if they treated it like that? Imagine
1: if we had just like, imagine if we just had art everywhere of the president of the United States <laughs> and, and we worshiped him and we, you know, what he says goes and, and he was basically our deity. Like that's... That's crazy. You know, that was really similar to how they lived. And they were just, gosh, they were just a remarkable people. They had a writing system. And the pyramids, I'm not going to talk about the pyramids because if you want, you can talk about the pyramids all day. They were built by aliens, but no.
0: I've seen the history channel.
1: (laughs) Um, But (laughs) I mean, they were amazing. They were an advanced civilization. I think we tend to like think of ancient civilizations and, and their architecture as like, because it wasn't, it's in the past, we kind of minimize it a little bit in a way that like, we think of like only the big, we think of only the Parthenon. And we think of only the Colosseum Mm -hmm. and we think of only Stonehenge and, but no, like the Egyptians had a vast, a vast civilization and it they were just, I love Egypt. I love the Egyptians and how they treated art and their art is, is very beautiful. So that's the next thing I want to talk about is the Egyptians were, I don't know how else to put this, but the Egyptians were, like they were big, strict. they were strict, in like a good way because they believed in respect to the gods, uh-huh. and they believed that, you know, and, and that is reflected in their art. There is something that they have called an Egyptian canon, and I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show some images. Um, so great if you're watching um, audio listeners, you should be able to just like look over at Apple CarPlay or open your phone, and the episode art will have some of the images that I'm talking about. If that works. Um, we'll see, but so audio listeners, we don't want to alienate you. Um, I'm gonna show some images on my iPad. So they Egyptian art was very rigid. Um you've seen it. they're like, yeah, they're like like that and
0: biceps out.
1: Biceps out. So they had something called the Egyptian Canon, which is kind of a fancy word for their art style. It's how all of their art was done, at least for the higher ups. It's how all their art was done. They had to follow this canon. Like I the Bible for art. Ki- yeah, kind of. But it's more like rules. Okay. It's more rules for how their art looked.
0: Is that not the Bible? That's Exodus.
1: Yeah. Hi, dude. Our dog is back. Hi, KK. But, um, so the Egyptian canon called for their legs and their head were in profile. So that's what you saw from the side. <laughs> um... But their torsos and eyes were to the side. So you, you, the eye, how you see like facing forwards, was on the side of their head. Okay. Let me show you. Let me show you some examples.
0: Oh yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because they're always yeah, they're facing forward, head turned.
1: Yeah. How do I get to my albums on an iPad? Am I stupid?
0: <laughs> That's why you should take paper notes like me. I print my notes out for every episode. You want a medal? Yeah you have one
1: yeah that's kidding. <laughs> you like the one um out? this is a great example and I'll I'll show this on the screen oh so you see it's very rigid yeah there's no movement
0: her abs
1: I think that's a dude
0: oh look at his abs
1: <laughs> and here is another great example oh cool so rigid um and this is another great example. So you see the eye. He's
0: giving himself an insulin
1: shot. No, he's holding a, he's holding something ceremonial. I forget what it is though. Oh, he's giving himself an insulin <laughs> That's shot. That's what it looks like. Notice, um, this is another feature of a lot of ancient art is called hieratic scale. If you want to show that somebody's important, you make them bigger than everybody else.
0: So this is like royalty.
1: That's probably a royalty. Yeah, and this writing probably says who it is. And um,
0: you can't read it, e- Egyptian. I not yet. Well, when will you be able to?
1: I don't have the Egyptian course on Duolingo. <laughs> but anyway, so you see how rigid it was and how static it is. And that even um what do you think, KK? He's
0: yawning. He's, He's a little yawning. Bored.
1: So that even applies to their sculpture. So that is a sculpture of a pharaoh. Same thing, very rigid. He is, and and look at how they portray their royalty. He's very buff. He's very fit. He's solemn. He's very solemn. I'm glad you said that because the expression,
0: oh, oh, sir. (laughs)
1: Okay. Our dog is bumping the light. Do you want to check it? We had to cut a little bit because our doggy was getting excited. (laughs) He was knocking stuff over. But you see this sculpture, very rigid. So that is kind of the Egyptian canon. Rigid, um, some archaeologists uncovered um, a temple that was like, it was like stopped in the middle of being built and they found a grid like over the drawings of like a guide. What? So they had like templates, the, the ancient Egyptians. Blueprints. Yeah, blueprints for how the canon should be. They had a place where... Like exact proportions. So every, and this is like old to middle kingdom. Wow. Now I want to talk about the main event. So that wasn't the main event. That was not the main event. I just wanted to set up ancient Egypt and how strict they were. So they have Pharaohs for generations and for generations and for generations who follow this canon. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about. Someone doesn't. The Amarna style. Because.
0: Wait, the what?
1: The Amarna style.
0: Amarna style.
1: Amarna style. And I'll explain what that is soon. But the Amarna style is a really specific style because one pharaoh came in named Akhenaten.
0: Akhenaten was like, nah.
1: Akhenaten. He said- Put some wiggles He in. said, frick your cannon. I'm doing what I want. And he did. He changed everything. What? He changed broke conventions he broke traditions and he um put some wiggles he puts in let me show you people smile so first one yes yes i mean there's a there's facial expressions and let me show you so this is like old to middle kingdom yeah and this is the amarna style oh look at all the curves there are things overlapping yeah and he is portrayed with his children. His children aren't off to the side. He's holding his children and he's portrayed with his wife. And the interesting- Women. The, Yeah. The interesting thing is the wives were always shown to be smaller, either smaller or like equal. He, she is just equal. And we'll talk about this more in a second. He but loved his wife. Yeah. There's movement. The characters are interacting with each other. The- you know, there's still elements of the style, but like it's it's amazing. And there's just so much to unpack here. Um but yeah, this is Akhenaten with his wife and his three kids. And so let me show you an example of this. Is some sculpture with um of old to middle kingdom. This is within the canon, still very rigid. This is a Pharaoh and his wife. They're equal, they're very rigid. But look at how he portrays him with his wife. I mean.
0: They're hanging out, dude.
1: They're hanging out. They're interacting with each other. And they're so skinny. Yeah. They are not like buff and fit. They're lanky. They Their faces kind of look weird. So no. he changed things quite a bit. Yeah. And I want to show you a sculpture. This is a sculpture of Akhenaten. That's he what a little himself. belly. He has a little belly. And that's a good thing because it shows that he's well-fed. He's wealthy.
0: Oh. He can afford food.
1: He can eat a lot. And look at his face, how long it is and how big his lips are and how pronounced his eyes are. It was so different. And look at how he portrayed his wife. Oh, babe. Isn't that
0: huh. beautiful? I mean, <clears throat> you, you, know, you
1: know what I mean? But his wife is also portrayed by herself. I'd he wanted to honor too. her. He loved her. I mean, most I mean, for most pharaohs their wives were like it was all business. But he loved and cherished his wife and kids. Dude. And he had this beautiful statue made wow. of her. Yeah. And look at the face. Look at how naturalistic it is. It's beautiful.
0: That's gorgeous. Her
1: beautiful gorgeous. lips and her eyes and it's painted. Wow. It's not limestone. I feel like
0: this statue's even better than his statue. Yeah,
1: I know, right? <laughs> So the basis for this big change is he gets to be Pharaoh and he says, you know what? There's not a lot of gods. There's one God. And he introduces monotheism to Egypt.
0: He really just changed the religion. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So there's some, his name Akhenaten literally means like, what does it mean? The, The exact translation? Okay. I'm getting ahead of myself. But the basis for everything he does is this thing. That is the one God that he says there is. Nope, that is Aten. Aten. It's for audio listeners, it's a circle with a bunch of lines coming out of it. And at the end of the lines, there are hands.
0: Me when I'm a circle with a bunch of lines coming out of it and there are hands.
1: Anyway. Uh, All right. (laughs) This is who he says the new God is. Okay. Aten is the God of sun. And look at, it's the sun and it's reaching down with its arms to all of the people. That was
0: in his... His relief?
1: It wasn't his relief print. There's Aten right there. Ooh. So Aken Aten's name literally translates to Um I gotta pull it up. Effective for Aten. That's Whoa. what his name means. So he comes in, he introduces this different type of art. It's more expressionistic, it's more it's less idealized, it's it's more stylized. He breaks the canon, he breaks the religion. And then he dies and everything goes back to the way it was before. What? They go back to the canon. They go back to multiple (laughs) gods. They forget about him. They were like, that was fun. Let's... Literally. Well... Dang. Yeah. So in this situation, I think his stuff is beautiful. I think the non-Amarna style. So yeah, that's the Amarna style is the art that was so different that Akhenaten um, introduced... Yeah. And so I think it's beautiful. I think both are beautiful. But the question I want to pose to you is one guy said he had this art and it was really different. And he says, this is how it is now. This is how art is. And is it good because he said it was good or was it actually good? What does that make you think of today? Who are people that like do weird new stuff and is it really good because it's good or is it good because it's just different and they say, and they say it, and they say it's different.
0: Interesting. That's a good question. Yeah. I feel,
1: I mean, it was probably like, obviously it was just accepted because
0: he was in charge
1: because he was in charge, Yeah. but also like one guy just said, this is the way it is now. This is how my art is going to be. And it's great. Everybody's like, yeah. And so. And then he
0: left and everybody's like, And then he left
1: and everybody forgot about it. And that makes me think of like something that's often talked about with Picasso's work is like, is it really good because it's good? Or is it good because he was doing something new and different and he said it was cool?
0: Oh. Okay. So the things I'm thinking of are in film, obviously.
1: (laughs) You think in film I love it I love And you.
0: I feel bad because the, the first example that came to mind was T.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation. Which is I know that one. That's, con- the one like, the, that's the one
1: with the that's the one with the shot in the back of the truck. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: But sadly that is like the meanest worst film of all time because yeah, it's about like- the KKK <laughs> but not a good example because it's a bad like well it's bad in thematic elements of yeah. course. Yeah. But It was super revolutionary and really good because he decided to make the camera like a moving object instead of everything moved around the camera.
1: That's the funny thing about the Amarna style. It wasn't revolutionary.
0: It's just a little different. It was just
1: different because it didn't change anything. They went back to how it was. (laughs) Huh. So is this more about the art or is it more about the culture? Is it more about the man? Is it more about the canon? It's so, it's just, that's why I wanted to cover it. And why it's so amazing to me is because like, it's this little blip in like <laughs> Egyptian history that like nobody really talks about. Yeah. Because like,
0: They're it's like, just sounds funny good to because me. it's
1: like, obviously it's, it's the pyramids and the hieroglyphs and like all the Egyptian art you see is of the canon. And then there's this freaking skin tag in their history of of Akhenaten doing this weird art.
0: That's funny. I, I love, love it.
1: it. It's so interesting to me.
0: Wow. And and it literally influenced nothing beyond that point.
1: Not really. They were so committed to their canon. They there just was like, one went guy. right back
0: to it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I cannot think of like... Because I feel like in film... A film is closely tied to technology, and yeah. so as technology advances, film technique yeah. advances. And so, when people make new discoveries, like like sound and and moving the camera and everything yeah. like that, like it changes every everything, and people tend to do the new thing. Yeah, they're, I don't, I can't really think of like things that people like bring in and they're like, all right, and then yeah. they go back to
1: normal. And that's what I think. That's how I think about this. Is is it was probably more of just a cultural thing. Yeah, that. People were like, "That's not how we did it before. That's not how we honor the gods, you weirdo!" Like, because he wasn't really doing anything like new.
0: Did did the he people... was just doing
1: something different. He was still doing relief prints and sculpture.
0: Yeah. Did they like accept it? Like, did they like it, or were they anxious to get back?
1: I'm not sure, but I mean, it they didn't really keep any of it around. What he did stylistically. Hmm. You can see. You see. I mean. When you look at Greek art and Roman art a lot later, it's influenced heavily by the Egyptian canon, early Greek. It's pretty, you know, it, it's, it's, you can see a lot of similarities. And so what Akhenaten did wasn't really revolutionary or new. Yeah. It's just kind of different and weird. And you know what? Love it.
0: I think I think it is cultural, mainly.
1: I think it's cultural, yeah.
0: I'm thinking about today, and and I feel grateful for all of the freedom that we have of expression, particularly.
1: Me too. Me too.
0: And because I feel like if we had someone who was in charge that said everything goes like this, and you have to follow it whether you like it or not, I think that would that would make it so a lot of art didn't exist. Obviously,
1: that's the thing. Is I think the main thing is we don't have a canon.
0: Yeah. And everybody's free to do whatever they want. And people are so different that different art is the norm.
1: And, you know, a canon is good for when you have a solid, strong civilization and gods to honor, like the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. When you have a system like that, a canon is great for that. But nowadays, with so many differing ideas and cultures and people, a canon just doesn't work. (laughs) And so I think Akhenaten was ahead of his time because differences and unconventional things make things interesting. Art history goes from, slowly goes from this is how we do it, religious people, animals, and like that's it. And then Impressionism comes in and there's there's something unconventional. And then you have surrealism coming in and then you have
0: i feel like it builds on
1: it it builds on it and so i admire akhenaten for taking a leap being himself yeah and i think that how rigid um the egyptians were just goes to show that there was nowhere to go but up with art history not to say that egyptian art was bad But it was, and obviously there was different cultures. Egyptian art was not worldwide art, (laughs) but I'm saying it's emblematic of the art world back then and how there was nowhere to go but up. I mean, things went from you know ceremonial to impressionistic and expressionistic, and now today we have everything, which I really like. But I also really like back then Mm -hmm. how things were held back, things were purposeful. You know, and there's a lot to say there, there's a lot to unpack there with the introduction of technology and industrialism and all that stuff. But I think the point I'm trying to get at is I like how art history started, I like where it's been, and I like that Akhenaten was kind of a little weirdo.
0: Yeah. Beautifully said, McKay. Thank you so much. That's really
1: all I have to say about it.
0: Thank you. I like still like I'm still racking my brain for something like equivalent that I, I could feel like of. I kind
1: of interrupted your thought about a birth in a nation. Did I? No. Did I you express dead. that? Yeah, okay. yeah.
0: Thanks for saying that. Yeah. I but it, no, I just can't think of another thing that's like equivalent that that happened. Everybody's like, all right, we're done with that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there might be parts of history that I'm missing. It might not be as simple as I'm making it out to be. Yeah. Me, yeah. But...
0: but then again, I feel like it also kind of brings out the power of the individual in art creation Mm.
1: oh i like that
0: and just because this was i mean this was of course one person over a lot of people yeah but even like in today's world you can be one person you can be a jackson pollock and do something new and cool that some people hate and some people love and it changes the way people think
1: kind of like banksy
0: yeah
1: banksy is someone i admire today as someone who like is recognized for doing really different stuff what he does is kind of like not that different, but how he does it and the messages behind it are really cool.
0: We'll cover Banksy in a episode. Oh, I'm
1: going to talk about Banksy so bad.
0: Maybe I'll talk about him first.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, follow us on our socials. Thanks um, for joining us. Yeah, yeah. Gallery underscore podcast on everything. And uh, that's that's it, I guess. And Thanks for joining us. don't be us. greedy. And... And try do different things. Be an Akhenaten.
0: Be Akhenaten. Don't be greedy.
1: Yeah. All or you'll right. end
0: up in Death Valley. Okay. What? <laughs> Bye.